Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hi, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 13, which definitely wasn't unlucky for me because I got to meet the wonderful Poonam Gupta. When Poonam first arrived from Delhi to live in the west coast of Scotland, she immediately felt at home and appreciated the warmth and encouragement of the people she met. But there was a problem. Poonam wanted to work, but no one would give her a job, so she decided to start a business, but she had no money to invest in it. It's a mark of her shrewdness, industriousness and strength at building relationships that she has since turned PG Paper into a hugely successful business, based in Greenock, operating across the globe. She attributes this success to placing integrity at the heart of her business and ensuring that her and her team always place themselves in the shoes of their customers and their suppliers. Poonam has achieved all this whilst bringing up a family and, when they were young, overcoming a major health scare that meant she had to spend time in a wheelchair. Thoughtful, energetic and full of passion for life and her adopted home, she makes for an inspirational listen. Hello, Poonam Gupta. Um, here we are in a rather wet Greenock today at the headquarters of PG Paper. Um, could you tell us, uh, first of all, how the idea for the business came about in the first place? I came to Scotland in 2002. And initially, I couldn't find a job here because I was told that I was either overqualified or didn't have any experience in the UK. So I decided to do something of my own. At the time, recycling was a buzzword. And I started doing some research whether there was a market for recyclers from here in the Far East or in the Indian subcontinent where I come from. And it became quite clear that there was possibly a business case there. And I started doing my research and finally managed to convince a supplier in Italy to sell me my first containers of paper, which I sold to India. That's how the business was born. And, and what was your uh, original vision for the business at that time? What, and how did you describe it to people who were asking you questions about it? I always wanted an international business which dealt in multiple countries. And it became quite clear that if I was going to do PG paper, the paper would come from many countries and would go for to many countries. PG paper is effectively a trading company. We lease warehouses around the world and we buy the rejects of the paper mills, but also we buy now their prime production. Obviously, the business has since evolved, which is important for any business to grow. And so that's how we trade. We are a trading company. Now, of course, many people start businesses and most of them fail within the first couple of years and very few grow in the way that PG Paper has. How do you uh, attribute that success? What, what have the, been the key ingredients of that growth? Sometimes the failure comes from lack of research and not staying focused to the task at hand. I mentor quite a few businesses and I can see that trend in those businesses and I think it's very important to remember that when you start a business, it's like having a new baby. You know, you have to spend time and you have to have a very clear understanding of what you're doing. And as long as you stay focused, keep your overheads to the minimum, minimum in the beginning, because that helps with growing the business. That would help taking the business from startup stage to next levels. Uh, but there must have been some pretty big challenges along the way. Were there any pinch points where, which were difficult to get through? Life is challenging, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, the business did have its own challenges. The first one was when I started the business, I didn't have pretty much any money to start with. So I had to find the finance to, you know, finance my first few deals. And I did that by striking 
an understanding with my customers that they pay me in advance so I could pay my suppliers and supply them the paper and in doing that I basically reduced my margin but gave them a competitive advantage mm-hmm. you know in the market which helped me the next big challenge came uh, for business was in 2005 India was still my biggest market yeah and overnight something had changed in customs and the customers stop placing orders they were scared to place orders custom was investigating whatever paper was coming in containers were stuck for months and that made me realize that i cannot be dependent upon one single market mm. to grow the business and to keep the business stable i had i needed to have presence in multiple markets and i very quickly started diversifying diversifying my business in other markets like china bangladesh and pakistan which helped the business right okay and how does PG paper fit into the kind of global paper market now? What are your strengths? Uh, and how buoyant is the market at the moment, generally? PG paper has managed to become an important player in the market. We are quite well known in the industry. We work in over 60 countries right now, uh, buying and selling paper from all over. We are considered one of the reliable partners by our suppliers and also our customers which i think is so important for our business and the growth of the business mm. yeah even today we have 90% repeat business so every that 10% you know helps us grow the business further sure. which we are doing uh, the competitive advantage that we have is that we always go into a market doing our research yeah, we are not scared to open mm-hmm. up a new market we've opened up so many markets now we try and learn what's required of that market what's the culture of that market how do the people talk we go the we do the most basic research that you can think of and then go into the market and we give it 6 months to develop right. and i think that is how the company has i think i would contribute success of the company to very strong rooted mindset of understanding people and with mm. the fact that people work with people Right. Okay. So you've made quite a, a, a re- decent dent in the international paper market already. Um, what are your plans for for the future, and how how ambitious are you for the business? I'm an ambitious person anyway, and and I would like the company to grow to at least a hundred hundred million pound mark over next couple of years, mm. and we are doing that by re-strategizing some of our products and markets. and i but i even though we are important players in the market paper industry is coming to a trillion dollar market soon so we are hardly making a dent i would say still i think there's huge scope for company yes, yeah. still and you know our plan is to try and capture that and your immediate targets i believe you're, you're breaking into south america is is the next kind of ge- geographical target for you uh, we broke into south america last year uh, like i said we go into a market very mm. slow we go into a market slowly with you know proper research it takes 6 months for the market to develop and then it matures so this year yes. that market is now you know maturing for us you know we are getting more and more orders from there the plan for this year to, is to do china and turkey better right okay that's the plan for uh, the business uh, and meanwhile domestically the whole brexit issue rumbles on has that had any impact on on business for you well we as businesses don't like uncertainty anyway mm. So we don't like the no deal scenario which we are hanging in right now but I'm hoping that you know that will resolve soon and then we'll see the light at the end of the tunnel and we can just get on with business 
at the moment our business has not suffered particularly from the brexit issue but we don't know what the future has and that is what's unsettling mm. but we are taking kind of we are make, taking steps to see that we don't get hit with whatever happens quite hard yeah. but i think it's important for the government to realize that we do as businesses need a deal so please can we have the deal based in greenock you're, you're dealing with um, uh, clients all over the world um, to, to some people, it may, may seem quite daunting. If, if you suddenly decide you want to, for instance, crack the Chinese market, how on earth do you go about, about that process? So basically first, you know, when I did it in the past, you know, you start from internet, and I think that's the model we still follow today. It can give you a lot of information of what companies are out there. So the first point is, you know, you send them email. You might not get a reply immediately, then you send them another email. But then at some point, you need to follow up with a phone call. And then the third thing is you need to go out and see them. But what has also helped is, you know, like reaching out to, to British embassies. Most of them have, you know, a commercial section in the embassies, you know, and they might have data on the market. They might be able to tell you a little bit background about the market. That certainly helps. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we have done exhibitions. We don't overdo exhibitions. Because obviously with, with time, you also know what kind of clientele is coming. We always do homework into, we look at the list of companies who are coming mm. and whether that exhibition will help us or not. And definitely at some point you have to place yourself in front of who you're working with. And you just need to decide as a company, when is that point going to come? Scottish Enterprise helps a lot. So reach out to Scottish Enterprise. They are really pushing exports from Scotland right now. And that might help as well, which helped us too. And right now, you know, even the banks and financial institutes are having databases which they are willing to provide, you know, to customers because mm. the, their other customers in other countries also want to collaborate. Yes. And all of this information comes in very handy to open up a new market. As a working mother, do you have any advice to, to other people in, in that position who are trying to forge ahead and build a business? Yes, I brought up a very young family while I was running my business full time and one thing I realized which is extremely important is asking for support. We women can actually balance our career and our family lives if we can build a support system around us whether that is asking your friends sometimes to help with your children or you know basically ask your company to let you work from home or start your business from home Look at the circumstances you're in and make the most of it. And I often tell young businesses, do not get over hung up on having a flashy new office and having a sec secretary. You can actually start from where you are. And once you're confident of where, you know, you've got your base covered, mm. then go to the next level. So I would just, and, and, and finally, I would like to add, I came with nothing. And I started this business from nothing. I went through some health health challenges and personal problems like I suppose some of us do or you know we all have challenges in life such as life but if I can do it then anybody can do it and I firmly believe in that. Is there anything now that you look back and say I would have done that differently? I would have hired faster. When I came here I didn't know anybody. I started the business from my bedroom. And the first couple of years I worked by myself because I was still figuring out, you know, what is the potential of this business. In the hindsight, I feel I kind of knew the potential of business in the first six months. Uh, if I understood a little bit more, 
you know, the culture, the people, and had a little bit more background knowledge that I have today, I would have definitely hired faster. That is the only thing I would have done differently. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, you place a very strong emphasis in the business on, on values, on ethics. You get involved in quite a lot of charitable work. Why does that mean so much to you? If we don't have values and ethics, I believe, what do we actually have? It is important in life to know what's right and what's wrong. And in business, you know, it is, I think, even more important because you're working with people who don't know you sometimes. You know, they're sitting thousands of miles away. They send you their money. Mm. They expect that they are going to get delivered you know, what you promise them. And if we do it right, then we know that they are going to be our customers pretty much forever. And the the whole business model of PG is built on integrity and honesty. We tell our customers exactly what they're going to get, when they're going to get it, you know, and try and meet their expectations. And I believe it's, I just believe it should be important for everybody, just not for me. Mm. And regarding my charity work, I was, I'm born and brought up in India. And it is, you know, there are so many social issues like they are in any society, perhaps different ones. And I'm, and it is so important to participate, whether it's Scotland, whether it's India, you know, the society has been so kind to me. You know, I have na- a, a successful business in Scotland and I'm born and brought up in India. I was educated in India and I feel it's my duty to give back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and share my success widely. Then, then it kind of feels like real success. Sure. Okay. And growing up in Delhi, what were your your hopes and ambitions then? What did you want to do with your life? Delhi was very different then than it is now. Um, Coming from the kind of family I came from, working for me wasn't really an option. So I did have to, you know, maneuver my way around my family and immediate family to finish my education. And then, you know, decided, told them that I wanted to work. I had to fight some uphill battles, but I'm here now. I have a business and hopefully now when my family looks at me, I have actually a lot of my younger cousins now working in India. So my family is now embraced the fact that she can do it. Mm. So let these other girls also Mm. get educated, which I feel good about. And I feel like I've changed the perception of women can work and women can work respectably, which is not what was thought of when I was growing up. Uh, How did it feel when you first moved to Scotland? A very different environment. How did you, how how, how at home did you feel? I felt very homely in Scotland from really day one when I landed here. I noticed immediately that people on the streets smile, something I still cherish today. And I found people were very warm towards me and they were very, they wanted me to integrate and they helped me, you know, to integrate. And language was an issue, Lang- not language, I think the, the accent was an issue. Right. I, I could speak English since I was 10 years old, but when I came over, I didn't understand a word. Sometimes <laughs> of what people were saying, it took me four months to conquer that, but I did. And I, I just love Scotland, landscapes, the beauty, the people, everything. I, I, I like it here. Right. Uh, do you actually live in Greenock? I live in Kilmacombe, actually. All right, okay. Yes. But right. I actually yeah. first came to Greenock, then moved to Kilmacombe, right. and then now I'm back here. All right, right, yes. right, yeah. Um, and it's, it's not always been uh, easy going on a, a personal level for you either because you, you suffered quite a serious illness a, f- a few years ago which meant that you had to uh, be in a wheel- wheelchair for 18 months. Um, what was that like? How did you cope with that? Did you learn anything from that process? My health took a downturn in 2006 and the business was still in its early stages then. I was diagnosed with a, an autoimmune disorder which was actually ended up being a misdiagnosis and then later on only to find out that I had a, I had bone tuberculosis in my foot 
which ki- which left me wheelchair bound for 18 months because it was diagnosed so late mm. but actually you know when i came to know i had tb i felt better than when i knew that i had the autoimmune because that disease that i was diagnosed with initially could have actually killed me at any time it did hit me hard i would say because i i had a one year old daughter at that time and i wanted to see her grow and she was my will to fight i suppose mm. and will to live and i used to love running my business so they both kind of gave me a purpose what i've learned i've come through and like that's what i'm sitting across i've come through that bad experience or that difficult time in life but what i've learned from that is that life is too short and we need i appreciate the very fact that i'm alive and mm. my children are now 13 and 11 and they're wonderful girls and my business is doing well i work harder than you know i've ever worked before i and i also love spending time with them i'm just grateful to be here and i believe that one thing we learned i have learned from that is is because life is too short then we also must appreciate our today and hope for and live for better tomorrow but also enjoy your today punam gupta it's been fascinating talking to you and it's a lovely way to finish thank you very much thank you i really enjoyed meeting punam and after our chat She suggested that I should head up to Lyle Hill at the top of the town. Despite it being a miserable day, the view across the bay was stunning. The same view once enjoyed by Abraham Lyle, the Greenwich businessman behind Tate and Lyle Sugar. And the following day, I learnt that there had once been five stock exchanges in Scotland. I wasn't surprised to hear that four of them were in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dundee and Aberdeen. But as for the fifth one, well, it was in Greenwich. And Poonam is keeping that thirst for trade alive in the town. I hope you enjoyed the interview and we'll be back soon. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.